This is the David Birnbaum Connection, and I am David Birnbaum. My guest today is Jacqueline Lung. She is the founder of Pressed News, which is my favorite source of news, literally and honestly. It's a daily email newsletter with mostly Canadian news, giving you just updates on what you need to know. Jacqueline and I have a great conversation about press news, the state of news and media, and the millennial generation. It's it's a pretty wide-ranging conversation, but provides a lot of depth and context about the current state of all of these things and where we think the future might be. Definitely check it out, and remember to subscribe to the podcast and support us on Patreon. Also, subscribe to Pressed and support them on Patreon. Jacqueline, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. <laughs> Hi, thanks so much for having me. We, we've talked earlier about how, you know, before the call about how the, the election is, is one of the things that really, you know, put it in perspective why Prest was needed. Can you go a bit into depth about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am the type of person who never used to follow the news, especially when elections came around. It was challenging for me to learn about the candidates because I would have to read article upon article upon article just to learn about one topic. And so um, I really went on the search for news outlets that would be more concise and would make it okay for me not to know everything. And I just couldn't find anything um, that had sort of a voice um, that made sense to me and also had a Canadian perspective. And so I really started it because it's something that I need. Mm-hmm. And it started out as a Word document that I sent to a few friends. Oh, wow. And I quickly, yeah, I quickly found out that lots of people didn't follow the news for the same reasons. And so yeah. now it's it sort of um, become a, a much bigger thing. Wow, that, that's actually amazing to hear that it just started so organically. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I, I really only started to pay attention to politics um, around 2015 as well, because it was Justin Trudeau running and that election mm-hmm. and also Donald Trump starting in the States. And I had friends asking me which was the best source of news for them to be informed about the election, like a concise summary. And I said, I honestly don't think there is one. Right. And actually, um, in the 2015 election, I looked for it. Mm-hmm. I looked for it in Canada. I actually emailed um, the CBC and Toronto Star and asked them if they had something that made sense and nobody responded yeah. to me, of course. And then so I went for uh, I went searching for it in the US and found really good, concise uh, news outlets, but didn't talk any didn't talk about Canada at all. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so pressed, you know, evolved from that. What made it extend to kind of news generally? Was it still just that need? Yeah, because, I mean, at that moment, I needed to learn about the candidates. But on Mm -hmm. a daily basis, I need to know what's going on in the world, not just for conversational purposes, but also to make informed decisions, to be um, just, like, knowledgeable about current events. Does it... So I I completely agree with that, but it surprised me how many of my peers disagree and and think they don't need that. Have you had a similar experience? You know what? Yeah, because that was me. I okay. used to have one, my my very best friend uh, is very up to date on current events, and we used to have arguments about how, well, I don't think it's necessary for me to know what's going on in Syria. Mm-hmm. But really, what I was saying was, I don't have time. Yeah. To learn about it, right? And 
I don't have the interest to have to look up all of these words I don't understand in an article just mm -hmm. to learn about it. So what we're doing is we're, we're taking those problems and we're making it interesting for people who say they don't think it matters. Because yeah. once, they, once, once we make it easy and interesting, they'll realize that it matters. Yeah. That's, and that's our core belief. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that. And for me, it's been, a, you know, wondering how much does what is covered now not actually matter. So I looked into kind of starting an email newsletter as well. And mm -hmm. I, I was just like looking at major news sites each morning. And I struggled to find three stories from all of the front pages that I actually thought a week that I actually thought mm. my peers would care about. So it's like, do you think it's a balance of, you know, young people needing to make their issues matter enough for the news to cover it? Um, or have I you found people, that? I think people don't know what they don't know. Okay. Right. So there are a number of news outlets out there that cater towards what people like mm -hmm. and what they're interested in. But there are very few that actually cater to what people need to know mm -hmm. in order to be um, informed citizens of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so for us, it's not so much about, yes, we definitely cater toward what people like. And that's music, entertainment, books, good news. Right. Mm -hmm. And people love those sections in our newsletter. Yep. But we also incorporate things that you might not care about SNC Lavalin, but you <laughs> should still you should still know about it. Yeah. Because that is is in in a long winded way going to impact you. It's gonna impact the way you vote. It's gonna impact many, many things. Um and hopefully. you can't just, hopefully. Uh and you can't just say that and you should have an opinion about it, yeah. whether you really care or not. Yeah. Have you found it? How have you found accusations of bias or, or you know, ha has press been accused or like many people I talk to th have this idea now that it's impossible to actually run a journalism company properly? That's that's the sentiment I hear. Yeah, we struggle with that. And if I'm being honest, you know, we say that we are non-biased and we try our best to see both sides mm -hmm. and we always give this is what this side is saying. And this is what this side is saying. We make that a point to put that in our stories. Yeah. But as writers, um, we are, we lean one way and yeah. it just kind of comes out in our writing. And we've definitely been accused in the past of leaning um, one way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we can't, we, we try our best and um, we respect that we're not the voice for everyone. Okay. That's fair. And I think, do you, do you try and be open with your, let's call it, biases then? Like, because any, any writer does have opinions on things. What do you mean? Like, do you, do you I, mean like... Do, do people reading kind of know... Do you think it's important for people reading to know your politics and other people's politics and, and your views so they can kind of have the context when they're reading your writing? So because, and so this is what I've told people is that people ask us a lot, how do you, how do you keep your opinions out of the story? Mm -hmm. And the truth is because our stories are so short, yep. it's often not possible for us to put in an opinion anyways, mm -hmm. because our stories are the top, the, the five W's, and then we try to include what side A said, and then what side B said. Um, 
sometimes I admit that sometimes our humor is, is probably <laughs> leaning to one side. Uh, and I've definitely seen that. So yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely noticed that. Um, we've definitely talked about doing opinion pieces mm -hmm. um, as part of our long form content on our website so that people better understand our personality and who we are. Um, yeah. I mean, where, where are yeah, your thoughts right now on that? Like right now, do you think it's a good idea to start maybe venturing into opinion pieces? Yeah, I think we, we want to, mm -hmm. and I think that we should. Um, I think it's just a matter of resources for us. Okay. Yeah. And, and so speaking on that, you know, I think many people may come to the press newsletter first, but you say you have longer form content on your website. What else is pressed? So pressed is a community. Okay. We are. Um, so I always say that it feels like uh, legacy news outlets are sort of for the elite. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we are creating a new kind of news company that's open to people who don't know everything, and it's okay not to know everything. So first, we're a community, um, which means that we have it. We produce content where you want the content to be, and that includes a newsletter. Uh, we've launched a weekly podcast, which is also news-based. Mm -hmm. We have um, a social media community that's thriving where we try to put pieces of news, but also what's going on behind the scenes of the business. And we also have long-form content that we call them cheat sheets online. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, one of our cheat sheets that are really popular is Cannabis in Canada. Um, our writers are really talented in, in taking really difficult sort of um, longer contextual stories and bringing them down into one article and making them fun. So that's been a really popular one. And yeah, beyond that, there's, there's a ton of other things we want to do, but we're certainly not uh, a newsletter company. We are, we think of ourselves as an audience and community company. Very nice. And, mm -hmm. and how has the business side of it been? Like, uh, you know, starting from a, a Google Doc or a Google Doc that you sent to people. <laughs> Obviously, you you've needed to have money of some sort to to grow to where you are now. What's that been, and what's the climate like um, for a, an upstart news community? Yeah, that's such a great question and a little bit controversial right now. Um, <laughs> when we so we started and angled ourselves as a tech startup mm -hmm. because we are building technology and that is part of our business. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. We're content media news company we produce content and investors have often asked us well are you going to automate your content no <laughs> we're, we're never going to automate maybe we'll automate pieces of our content yeah. like how we scrape the internet yeah. but we'll never automate our writing that's why we exist yeah right and that's why people love us so yeah that's been challenging and people many investors have told us you know you are working in a dying industry <laughs> and honestly my response is you only buy stock when it's low. Like you have mm -hmm. to take a risk on industries that are not doing well because that's what that's why we exist. We're trying to be part of this like up wave. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the climate's not good, but I have faith. I have faith yeah. that everyone needs news. Well, that gives me hope because I, I feel quite alone as it, it when I talk to people about it as well. And it's like news has existed as long as possible right like yeah. since humans had 
groups big enough to talk about things. They wanted to know <laughs> what those things were. Um, and so this idea, I had someone, I was talking to a potential investor who just told me they don't think millennials or younger generations will ever care about the news. No, and I, that's wrong. And I said, maybe they don't now, but by the time they're 60, they probably will. Yeah. And you know what? That's not true. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? That's it's also not, not true. It's just also not true. Like, look at all the teenagers that are starting the, the protests mm -hmm. now. Look, look at all of them who care. The problem is that the media industry hasn't caught up with us. Yeah. Not not the other way around. It's not our responsibility. Like, I've heard from many people in, in the news industry that, well, like, if you're not reading the news, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. Well, well, no. Like, the media industry hasn't innovated. So yeah. it's both of our problems. Like, you can't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have strong opinions about that. Yeah, well, I'm. that's what we're here for. There's... Uh, <laughs> There's one quote that I think of. It's something along the lines of, if you want to understand something, investigate it while it's falling apart. Ooh, and so that's that. really how I feel about, uh, you know, media and politics and journalism. It's all collapsing right now, which mm -hmm. is why it's so interesting and fascinating. What are the core things we need to pay attention to and why? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's so interesting. Um, to see it all kind of crumbling mm -hmm. and watching it's kind of, it's kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable in that. Like I'm, we're watching all the bigger names and legacy outlets scrambling to make change. Yeah. Everyone's putting up a wall and then, mm -hmm. and then the next person will put up a wall. If this person puts, or this company puts up a wall and you can see the sort of rat race. Yeah. And I'm just not sure yet. Like when the dust settles, I'm interested to see, like what actually like makes it out on top or like what's the like what's the spotify that saved music like what's that gonna be for news well hopefully it's one of us or both of us hopefully it's both of us <laughs> yeah um yeah i i was joking with friends a couple days ago that when i walk around and i see like a ctv or a cbc building I just picture in 20 years at having my company's logo there Ooh, that, i love that so you got to aim like someone has to uh fix it and i don't think they're ad adapting well enough right it's the same like mm -hmm. so everyone likes talking about uber as a tech company right cab companies if they would have just ripped off the uber app they already had so much use so much trust it was the experience people wanted not the name uber right mm -hmm. these companies yeah, right. could be adapting or just starting a, a new branch from scratch around your model around my model but they're not mm -hmm. because they don't understand it. It's scary. They'd rather just say the consumers are wrong. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've heard that a lot for sure. So tell me a little bit about your company and what, how you plan on saving the media industry. Well, so I'm hoping to create the platform that many different news organizations can exist on. Cause I think the problem actually is more around social media and the way people are consuming the content now. Um, rather than like just the act i think there's also an issue with the content that's being produced um, by the old companies that they're just like not engaging on issues young people care about but i think there's an actual like it's mostly a distribution problem around media mm, um, so that's what i'm kind of investigating but i wanted to start doing news and politics um in a similar vein to pressed and then i found that my peer group at least they were so scared to talk and so 
even if they had the information, they were scared to discuss their opinions on it unless they were experts. And so mm. I shifted my focus in the short term to just being about opening up the lines of communications again. Because right. like, so I'm sharing my unfiltered opinions on any topic and hoping that a few friends are brave enough to talk about theirs as well if it's a controversial topic and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, you know what? That's a real thing, that fear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm the founder of a news company and very often I'm afraid to speak up about things because yeah. I'm, suppo I'm supposed to know everything as the founder of this company, but I, st I really don't. And sometimes I'll interview people on our podcast and be afraid to ask certain questions. Yeah. And it's through these interviews that I'm pushing myself to just ask the dumb questions because that's how you're going to encourage other people to say, oh, it's okay that I didn't know that either. Yeah, abs you know? absolutely. Yeah. The way I think about it, like, I think it comes down to showing ourselves compassion for not knowing things, right? I, I learned how to spell the word clothes in grade 11. And mm -hmm. I didn't think I was a moron. I thought, how did no one <laughs> catch this? I've had, you. Yeah. yeah, I've had teachers. I've written essays with the word clothes spelt wrong. How did no right. one catch this? Right. So it's like I can't feel stupid. I have to understand why I am in this situation. Right. In order to learn and progress. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that comes from dialogue. Hmm. Um, yeah, we, you know, to that point, um, we are working on a few in real life events coming mm -hmm. up um, to exactly what you said, encourage this dialogue. Yeah, uh, it's not just going to be about like brunch and networking. It's going to be like, let's get together and talk about some real shit. Yeah, you know, um, and so yeah, few people are doing that. Right. I think the other the other thing that's kind of new, I guess, is how explicitly news is competing with all other forms of entertainment they used to right. be at least be siloed right movies right. were at the movie theater newspapers were at the store books were at the library so you at least it was more siloed but now i'm in one place and all of it's being fed at my brain what's my brain gonna choose right unless i train do, it to choose news how do you consume the news for a while, I was consuming through Facebook, but I like I liked subscribing to all of the news organizations and having my Facebook feed was basically only news. I didn't really care. I've never been a massive fan of social media. So that but then Facebook changed the way they were working and I started to not really see that stuff anymore. Um, so now I well, one, I use Prest It's actually my <laughs> uh, I, I subscribe to Prest and two other email newsletters which is my yeah. favorite type pressed is the only one that's actually just like general news um mm -hmm. then one is specifically business and one is i mean more foreign affairs and a bit all over the place and then i'll go to the home pages of different uh news organizations canadian news organizations um, so you're an active news content consumer because you uh, actually go to websites mm-hmm but uh, I, it's hit and miss. I don't always do that. I more so do that now uh, because I need to be informed. But I find that, again, most of the stuff on those front pages isn't relevant, <laughs> right? right? Like, I really don't feel that they're talking about useful things more than half the time, which is really unfortunate. Right. So I'm very pleased I, that I have pressed, actually. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the other problems that we 
we're trying to solve is that you're right. Even if you do have the time to go to a website, it's sort of um, all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, any type of news organization has to tell you every single thing, and then you have to sift through what's important. Yeah. Rather than an organization telling you, you need to know these four or five things. Right. And that's the thing is that's what the news used to be. Right. Mm. It used to be you knew the three front page things were the most important. Um, But that's not really how it works anymore because the website has a ton of stories. Um, Maybe they'll Mm. have the one feature. And then also it's even worse because a lot of people do get their news through social media. And that is not the news organization picking what you see. That is Facebook's algorithm picking what you see. So it's just purposely the most likely to be clicked. Uh, rather than the most important. Right. Um, I had a question that I just, just escaped. Oh, what are your thoughts on Twitter and news on Twitter? Because Um, I think, so when I think about innovation um, in media and news media, I think Twitter has been the biggest piece of innovation, right? Yeah. It's breaking, it's collaborative. It has all the ingredients of being like a really great, news source the problem is it's 280 characters if you want to learn more you have to still read a 2800 word article right but i think like the concept of it's really interesting but also of course there's like all the negatives so just want to know your thoughts on that i i was never really a huge fan of twitter and then i started to engage with it finally and then i also heard jack dorsey speak on sam harris's podcast And everyone else was thinking that he did a horrible job on that. And I actually, it convinced me that he actually knows what he's doing. And he's going very slowly, which infuriates a ton of people because he wants to do it right. He knows he has something with Twitter and he's going to take as long as it takes to do it right. Um, Right. On the flip side, Twitter is the equivalent of the comment section on any news article. (laughs) And it's it's just that, right? So that's why it's so difficult is because... If you're a 40-year-old, you're going to be, you know, on the National Post's website arguing with people absurdly underneath an article. Um, right. and, and no one engages in those. But that's basically all Twitter is some of the time. Um, so you're right. I mean, if it's not about breaking news, then you're right. It is like the comment section. But I think like so I'm, I'm mostly thinking about how when that shooting happened in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And no news outlet could write about it yet Mm -hmm. because nobody knew anything yet. But if you followed it on Twitter, I was like, we were watching it happen on literally watching it happen on Twitter before news outlets could even get to it. And that was so, um, it was, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but also kind of cool to see how like the world can talk to each other. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. That actually gave me chills. Yeah. Um, Same. And like the thing is, I think that's so valuable, but I think that needs to be decoupled from journalism. I don't think that is the same. Well, it's a different type of journalism. It's not the same as writing news. And so when you have news organizations trying to beat that and get that attention, when, when the New York Times, if that's the platform they're playing on and they're trying to be in the Twitter sphere, that's everyone's talking about it. They're not gonna do good quality reporting. But then that's what they're churning out. That's what they're spending energy and attention on. I think Twitter is the best platform for individual users 
out of any of the social media platforms for information, knowledge sharing, communication. And so for something like that, it's really useful, but it's just a problem when the actual news organizations try and compete with that. Yeah, no, because you're right. you have the New York Times as one Twitter account who's competing against a thousand people, right? And and they're going to lose even though they shouldn't because they probably have more actual information. Sorry. No right. worries. I'm just going to close this. No worries. Um, um, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Fund fundamentally, the problem that I see is all of social media was built for individuals to engage with other individuals. But then they just became so popular that businesses started to use them. But now you have a business that has a lot of clout mm. competing on the same platform as Joe in his basement. Right. And so, and, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just... Our problem is that... Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, no, you're right, because now, because that's where the people are, right? Yeah. That's where the people are. That's where you want people to see you. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Now you're trying to legitimize yourself with Joe from his basement. Yeah. Even, even though you're the New York Times. Yeah. And that's crazy. And you're right. Like how. And it's the comment section, right? Like, you know, it's as if the New York Times went to a National Post article and was posting its response in the comments with everyone else. Yeah. It just it right. just doesn't make any sense. I like your comments um, about how news used to be separate from the rest of entertainment. Because mm -hmm. you're right. that People segmented it in their minds like that. Yeah. And now it's like news is just part of its content. Yeah. And it's just part of this big uh group of stuff that you can consume every day mm -hmm. um and how do we who maybe that's what the solution is like how do we separate it again and make it its yeah. own vertical mm -hmm. and i i think that is a, a very important piece of the solution but i think it extends beyond news to, to media generally because you have you know professional production companies uh also competing against a youtuber who's a dude with a camera in his basement right um, so it's it's quite difficult. One graphic that I thought of that, uh, you know, makes makes me laugh is the idea of the way uh, news organizations put out articles on social media. It's like one at a time. And, you know, when back in the day, they they would have never done that. It's the equivalent of like the town crier just yell standing in a town square yelling what's going on and hoping someone pays attention to one of the things he says. Yeah. So I have this idea of like a dude with a megaphone just like announcing the news, <laughs> which is what it feels like, sort of. Yeah. No. What's your What's your background? Because you said um, journalism is neither of our backgrounds. So what's your background, and and when did you decide, you know, journalism is actually a passion of mine? Um, I went to school for media okay but i but i wanted to be an event planner mm -hmm. so i've always been really thoughtful in the way that i look at a problem and then trying to solve it so that's yeah. what i'm truly good at so then i went into um my career has mostly been in marketing and advertising mm -hmm. so i was at sportsnet and vice those are sort of oh, my wow. media yeah media stints and it was after working for those two media companies that i realized that um you know like there's this constant like need to it's like 
they're they're going it's almost like they're going in a circle of like how do we like beat our competitors how do we beat mm-hmm. our competitors versus like what do we stand do we, for yeah yeah <laughs> and how are we different and yeah. why do people love us and um so and and because of like the red tape of just i mean i loved working there but because mm-hmm. of the red tape of being in a big corporate organization yeah whenever I had a good idea, it would die in like the second level mm-hmm. of like 10 levels. So that was really frustrating just on like for, for like an entrepreneurial standpoint, I wanted yep. to create my own things. I always knew that I was a good writer. People always asked me to write things. And, uh, and then I had this need for concise news and realized like I can make a really big difference by doing mm-hmm. this. And so I'm going to be honest, like, I don't love writing. I don't love mm-hmm. being the one who writes yeah. all of our content. I don't want to be a reporter. Yeah. But there's something really interesting about diving into something like a difficult topic. Yeah. Taking what makes sense and helping other people understand it. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I completely agree. My background's in engineering. And, wow. And what... <laughs> What I liked, I was, I never loved engineering. I liked being the guy who could understand what my technical friends were talking about and explain it to everyone else. Cause the tip, like that's the stereotype of an engineer who cannot do that. Right. right. And, and that's what, that was my niche. Right. Um, and so that, you know, I think that new, the news, the problem with news and all that isn't, I just think on like, you know, my hot take, it's not as complicated as some other things humanity has solved right? Like we've landed something yeah. on a dime on the moon. That's probably easier than what's going on right now. Right? Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> see, like, seems like it would be. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's definitely just interesting that you also like you, you are interested, you're attracted to the problem. And, mm-hmm. and it's just right now you have to be writing because that's the step you're at to like help solve it. But that's not exactly. your end goal, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't see, like, I think that the content piece is really important to our business, Mm -hmm. but I think what's even more important is bringing people like your friends and helping them understand that, no, you really do. You would care about the news if it was presented to you in a different way. It's creating this community of people who like think they don't, don't really want to, or kind of stubborn, but making Mm -hmm. it interesting for them. To me, that's, the big problem and yeah. we have a team of really great writers who are doing the thing and they can do the writing mm-hmm. um and that will just be sort of like part of the solution yeah and i i think that makes so much sense and that's you know that's the marketing of it right it's like mm-hmm. new we know news is important we know people care about it if they actually get to it so wh- how is it so hard to sell it to them right now right like it's such a interesting problem yeah. And if you think about um, the money aspect, I know we kind of talked about it mm-hmm. earlier, but we talk about this a lot in our company. Um, there's, we have spoiled the end consumer. Nobody yeah. pays for news because it's free everywhere. You, I'd rather, some people would rather listen to Joe from his basement because it's free. Yeah. So they don't pay for news. And then the, nobody wants the government to pay for news because the influence they might have. Yeah. Um, and then advertisers are all going to Facebook and Google. So who is paying for like, yeah. where is the money coming from to create this meaningful content? And I don't know the answer yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a really big challenge for the industry right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And what comes to mind or what I'm kind of hitching my horse to, let's say, is the idea that 
the news divisions of major cable companies used to operate at a net zero. So it was like it was kind of like a public service. The news didn't have to make money. You know, NBC made money and they supported right. NBC News because they knew it was important. So it just had to break even. But then it started to lose money. And instead of adapting, they, they were like, well, now sink or swim. And and mm. so I think it's it's it, I think that it might have to be, you know, I, hopefully people just do value news and would pay for it. Um, mm. But I think at least some base level does need to somehow find a way to be free. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. Some of it has to be free because it does need to just be public knowledge, whether you want to pay for it or not. Mm-hmm. But what I think like, I mean, in free, I mean, like, what if I just thought I'm just thinking out loud, but yeah, what no if there is a world where you pay for a Spotify subscription, but part of that is you also get the news and part of that cut comes to the news companies. Yeah. Do you I know what I mean? That, I think that absolutely. I think that is the way like it has to kind of go. I think that would work well if if those companies are willing to do it, right? It's it's all about mm-hmm. who that cuz then it's still money out of their pocket. Why should they why should Spotify do that? Well, I mean, it's just like we're providing content mm-hmm. and and more stuff for their consumers. You make exclusive agreements and you can only find pressed on Spotify or whatever yeah. the deal is. Because so Apple News, my phone just updated and I got the new Apple News app mm-hmm. and I was digging around and it's really clean. It's beautiful. It's easy to consume. Yeah. But they want me to pay $13 for it a month. Yeah. Okay. And I won't even pay for Netflix. Mm-hmm. That is like, that is like prime premium content. Yeah. And I won't even pay $13 for Netflix. So I'm definitely not going to pay $13 for a bunch of news that I already don't want to read. Yeah. So Apple news is not solving the problem we are solving. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just looking at the revenue problem and trying to solve that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's still, I mean, I think there's two parallel problems. One is like how people are consuming and the other is the content itself. Cause there's still, I really think like I've basically given up on any of the, existing news organizations and i really think that people like you and and other people who are creating their own from scratch for the target audience that needs it will win out in the long run because like it's it you know what your peers want you like i think it's so that's it's grassroots news used to be grassroots right like local community papers right there should you know maybe we need a press in every major city right they have their own little team and they do email blasts and then there's a couple central pieces or whatever like that kind of thing but there are some people in any friend group who who do care more and and maybe it's leveraging that um have you looked into the canadian government's announcement of how it was going to support journalism not in depth. Uh, I'm I'm fairly libertarian in my political views, so I'm just like not really in favor of government support. Um, and I'm and personally, like my company's not at a, at a point that we'd be able to get uh, that funding. I don't think so. I didn't look in depth. Uh, right. But if you're, please share if yeah. Yeah. No. So I I didn't look in depth either. Just like there was like a few different categories. Mm-hmm. One of them was giving just like a like Canadian citizen 
a tax credit for paying oh, okay. for yeah. a new subscription, which I thought that was a really interesting model because mm-hmm. that means that they don't really, they're not involved. They just pay the Canadian citizen. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, Although I, I will push you a bit because yeah. they'd have a list of what is a valid subscription or not. So, so if there's fringe cases, yeah. then, you know, maybe pressed paid doesn't count or, or, or whatever, like, cause there's still, whenever I'm, I'm just extremely wary of any government, uh, so there have been input. opinion pieces written about it, and yeah. that's what I was—that's what I wanted to get into mm-hmm. because, like, the concept is, like, I get it. That makes yeah. sense. That sounds great. But when you really look into it, you realize. And so the other, the other, like, level of support is that mm. the government was going to help news organizations um, with credits for employing journalists and writers. Yeah. I'm like, great. Oh my god, I can totally, you know, submit some of our writers. Mm-hmm. But you're right in that they, there is like um, information that says that they are going to be the ones determining what a news organization is. Right. Right. So it's going to, the money is going to go to CBC, Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, all the news organizations that are already exist. And it's not going to help startups or companies that are trying to make, be innovative. Not at all. None of the money is coming to us. And so that's really, really frustrating because like, how can you, how will you ever see innovation if you only support what you think is news? Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, that's just often, often the problem with, I mean, government is slow um, generally. And so they they don't even understand the state of the news startup world so how could they you know have the insight to understand which ones are valid which ones are worth funding and that kind of stuff right like maybe if they attach themselves to incubators or if they funded people who funded tech and startups like that would be the only real option but on the flip side i think you know when when i was pro government it's more about you have to mobilize young people. You have to make it an actual issue. If young people all said, we want funding for our news startups because we're not informed and we think that's a problem. At mm-hmm. some point, enough people say that, then the government cares, right? Um, but it's it's hard to uh, get those people saying that when they don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's right. So it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I've come to the determination that it's it's literally starting with me and the five friends of mine that are engaging on Facebook. And it has to grow as slowly as it needs from there. And then, you know, hopefully my friend group connects with your friend group and in your company. Right. And, and, you know, there you hear like we hear about the little startups and the other people doing this. And I really think mm-hmm. we need to start coming together um, because no one else will do it. And and it is going to be a slow long process unless every, even if we have like very different opinions politically if we just know it's in, what we're doing is important generally it's about unionizing and saying hey we need to save the news right <laughs> regardless of yeah. if we disagree on how to do that exactly yeah. right i do think that the state of the industry right now has really lit a fire under mm. lots of companies to think like okay guys so-and-so is not so much a competitor. No, sorry. So-and-so is a competitor, but let's collaborate. Yeah. Let's come together and like, um, like try to, uh, 
try to make something bigger and better and different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, this is like I thought in advance of this call, I was thinking of the quote. It's like the rising tide lifts all ships. Right. And that's typically, you know, some Republican like uh, spew or whatever. But I think it's valid in, in a lot of cases as well. And I think the more that journalism is saved, the more it helps anyone. Because I think like you and I shouldn't look at each other as competitors. I think we look at CBC, CTV. Those are the competitors, right? Like their gener- their era is ending and they're going to fight <laughs> as hard as they can to keep it. Um, mm-hmm. this, and I, I think that extends across most industries. You're seeing it only now in like tech, but in almost every like engineering, construction, all of those, they don't know what they're doing 20 years from now. Um, right. And so it's really like it's I not to be like aggressive, but I think it's an a, a young versus old more than it's an anything else. It's definitely like an elite crowd that mm-hmm. are older. That's for sure. Um, and I don't e- really see the CBC as our competitor because mm-hmm. our readers, I bet you they're not. I, I can, I bet you they've never read a CBC article. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair as well. And actually, um, I have an anecdote. Like Before we launched, we went to seven different Ontario universities and colleges. Mm-hmm. We literally went with an iPad and said, do you follow the news? And do you think it's important? And almost that's everyone great. said, yeah. And almost everyone said, no, I don't follow the news. But yeah, like I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And so like out of everyone we talked to, one time the CBC came up. And one time, <laughs> one time a physical newspaper came up. Yeah. Out of every, like, we probably talked to 900 students. Mm. And, oh God, it was crazy. Like, some people still talk, said Flipboard's really cool. They yeah. like Al Jazeera, Vox. Mm-hmm. Those, those came up a few times. But, yeah, like, we got 85% of people to sign up, and they all love us. And um, we've been tracking sort of the churn mm. rate, and none of them have unsubscribed. That's and, great. Yeah, and it's just like... Um, there's definitely a market opportunity, mm-hmm. but also just like a social goodness opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah. and when those two align, that's like where people find fulfillment, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, this will bring me value socially and financially. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I did a serve. I just did like a survey of about 200 friends when I was, uh, starting and it was 70 or 80% <laughs> only got their news through third-party sources, either social media or otherwise, right? If they got it at all, they weren't, like, the news organizations weren't controlling what news they got. It was Facebook or Flipboard and that kind of stuff, which is Mm -hmm. also a huge problem. Even Even if these news companies were creating the good news, like the proper news, they are not controlling if anyone sees it. No, no, they're not. And yeah, and they... And yet it's been really challenging trying to work with a bigger news organization, mm-hmm. even trying to get um, a legacy outlet to pay attention to us or listen to us or see us as non-competitors. Yeah. It's, they won't even oh, they're, they're, pay attention. Yeah, because they're just detached, right? Like I really, yeah. I really feel like the older generation is still, especially in some industries, is just well, one dismissive of millennials, right? Like, yeah. and, and, and just generally dismissive. But I do think a big problem is the, the representation millennials have publicly right now is the people yelling on Twitter, right? Like that is who is talked about, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 
I have I have one colleague who now sends me any news he comes across that has millennial in the title. And so it's interesting to just kind of read what's covered. But it's like 66% of millennials in one of these articles uh, are aggravated with the idea that they're entitled, but agree that the other 33% are very entitled. Right. It's like basically like we know there's some people who are causing a lot of issues and are and they're very vocal, but it's like. But we're just apathetic. Right. Right. Like my friends agree with me on a lot of things just about like the tone of what's going on and the need to change it. But they don't want to do it. Why bother? They're living their life. They have a job. They have a girlfriend. They have a kid or whatever. Right. So why are they going to go to war with anyone who's screaming consistently on Twitter or something. So those yeah. people are are listened to. Yeah. I mean, what I'm learning with this is that making change is really hard. Yeah. That's all I got. It's yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. It's, it's the slow trudge. And that's why I like something like a podcast because it allows me to feel less alone in my mission, right? Like now mm-hmm. I'm very invigorated. Like you're doing it too, right? <laughs> like... It's, uh, um, you know, no one, no one's actually a lone warrior. Um, it yeah. just can feel that way a lot, I guess. We definitely need to keep in touch, even mm. if it's just to like talk about how frustrating it is yeah. sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, I recently connected with a woman in LA mm-hmm. who's doing a similar concept as press, but they are a daily news podcast okay. and she's lovely. And like in any other world, we would be competitors mm-hmm. and we are, yeah. but we knew that it was an advantage if we chatted yeah. and we couldn't, we we're still trying to figure out how we can work together. But both of us were like, now that I found you, like I have to keep you because yeah. finding somebody else who's willing to stay up like until 1am in the morning just to cover news is like impossible to find. Yeah. Um, so we have to stick together. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I, I'm glad to hear that. And I think, I think that, it's such a wide open space that you will both be very successful, right? Like, honestly, because the way I've explained it to some people is I think I see what the pie will be in the future. And it's a massive Mm -hmm. pie. If I get 10% of that pie, oh man, I'm so happy, right? Like, because really the the news industry is almost collapsed and it was pretty massive, (laughs) Right. So it's like, I really think there's more than enough room for anyone who's playing in the sandbox right now. Right. And it's kind of, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, another competitor popped up. But then other times I think, oh, that's so good. We're trying to solve the problem. Yeah. Well, and also like, good. Like we're trying to solve the problem together. Mm -hmm. I know I can't do it alone. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's work off of each other's. Absolutely. There's, I mean, that's, you know, talking about Netflix, I think Netflix's approach is wrong because they're trying to have the whole pie, right? They're trying to have all 330 million US eyes on their content. And I think to to bet on that as a company for, for your goals, it doesn't seem likely to me, right? When you like, there's very few times is there such a monopoly, you know, once things play out. So it's it's much better to kind of view anyone as yeah we're we're in this together you can have a million i can have five million they can have 10 million or whatever um mm-hmm. and i think it will i think it will much more likely work out that way than anything else yeah i mean i i 
I, I think I disagree a little bit in that, mm -hmm. like maybe, maybe their approach, they were first to the market yeah. and to them, now that everyone's trying to take part of their, it's like they created a pie. Yeah. And so now everyone's trying to take from their pie. Yeah. If I was them, I'd be like, Hey, like take it easy. This yeah. is like what I created. And so, and in the end, you're right. It will end up becoming that like lots of people share this pie, mm -hmm. but if they keep striving for wanting the whole thing, like I think they'll fall into a good place. I, I I think I think they can, but they if it depends at what point they admit they won't have the whole pie. If they're mm, if they true. just keep betting on the whole pie the whole time. The article I some article I read was that for Netflix to hit its current projections based on its investment and and that kind of stuff, they'd have to control half of all American content within a decade, which means they're they'd have to produce half of all shows and movies. Right. And when you think there's Disney, there like there's massive other players. Yeah, um, massive. And and so it just doesn't seem but they were first to market. They're doing it best still. But like they at some point they have to uh they have to change expectations without crashing. And that's where it becomes difficult with the tech world generally, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Um like Uber, Lyft, none of these companies are profitable even. Um it, so it's just like at some point they have to balance out without all the investors getting so scared and, and dying because it's just been so hyped, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to ask about um, how, what are your thoughts on Vice? Like Vice News and Vice generally? Because I, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to be unbiased because I worked um, on the Vice. So I worked yeah. at Rogers and I helped to launch the Viceland TV channel. Okay. Um, so that was my, my role there. And um, okay. So aside from me working on their brand, I'd say vice is not made for me. So yeah. I'm not there. I'm not their target. I think that they are a millennial brand, but I think it's, I don't think that they're for all millennials. Mm -hmm. I think they're for a niche target within millennials, Yeah. but because they're the only brand that's made it work yeah. for millennials, Everyone says like, well, aren't you just like Vice? No, actually, we're not at all. Like, <laughs> not at all. Just yeah. because we're both targeting millennials. Like yeah. that is the only similarity. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't consume Vice. So that yeah. is the, all, all I can say about okay. it. Okay, that's fair. What about you? I really liked Vice a while ago. And then it okay. definitely shifted in its coverage and its tone. Uh, I can't really stand it most of the time now and and i find it very biased um like what was it before and what is it now it seemed to just be less biased before like i don't know um maybe i was mistaken i've also shifted more right wing so maybe i just didn't notice it as much um but i don't know i find it kind of having a preachy tone sometimes as well um so even if i disagree i don't like a news organization should just present it kind of even toned, not that like if I disagree, I'm a bad person, which is kind of the tone I get from some Vice articles. Um, right. And so it's just really kind of, yeah, turned me off. And I think it's hard as well because, uh, you know, it seems that Vice itself posts more than a lot more content than Vice News, which is fair. But then like they'll they'll go quite into some topics that you know sex exploration and it's like that's fine but if that's being posted next to your news 
like it's going to be harder to grow the community like broadly i guess right you're going to yeah. have to have people who are very sexually liberal uh who want mm -hmm. who don't just like think it's okay but want to actively read about that right and right. and so it's like it's just an interesting thing yeah i think it's really obvious who they want their reader to be yeah you know I, they create they created a personality like vice is a person and i can probably draw this person yeah. out for you yeah which is really cool right which means their branding is on point but i agree that it has isolated certain yeah individuals like i like me like it's too it's a little too much for me yeah and i think i think my only i guess my biggest problem with vice then is that they i think they claim and also so many other people claim they represent all of us right yeah. all the young people when it's clear that they it's do not, not but they still right. i feel like they sometimes still claim to um, right because they're the only media organization that to their um i mean they've done a really great job at targeting millennials yeah even if it's a small group of us mm -hmm. who else is trying just to target millennials that's yeah. done like a really great job you know yeah that's really fair um, one thing I also wanted to ask about is, so the first email newsletter I ever came across was the Daily Skim out of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering, they're specifically like branded and targeted towards young working female professionals. Mm -hmm. um, I know that your company is mainly female. Do you try, like, do you think that you skew towards that target market a bit more or, or you try and be or you are as like even as can be? You know, we try to be even, I, I've had a lot of advisors tell us that we should just like go one direction mm. from a business standpoint. It's smarter, right? Yeah. The sponsors you get, but news, I don't know. Um, and maybe someday we will do that. Mm -hmm. But right now, my belief, I, I feel strongly that we want to cater to both yeah. women and men, um, because again, like I, I believe strongly in the social part of what we're doing mm -hmm. in addition to the business side. Um, and so it's really interesting. This is, this is kind of like off a little bit on a tangent, but mm -hmm. so we have a referral program built into our newsletter where we yeah. ask users just to refer us to their friends. Most of those people who share are women. Okay. And then we also launched on Patreon, which is this like community where people can give us money and donate to our our content mm -hmm. and most of those people are men and so okay. it's just been a really it's really interesting to see sort of like the personality of uh the two genders and how they want to support us yeah which has been really cool and and i think that we benefit both genders yeah. like i don't think that we we do too much um one or the other but i think the skim um they're the reason we started I think I still love what they do. Um, I just think they are similar to Vice in that they have very a very specific person that they're yeah. trying to target, and everyone else are going to isolate. Yeah. Um, and like like me, for example, they're the publication that said that the hot guy won up north <laughs> when Trudeau won the election. Yeah. And that. And ever since then, every time I read their newsletter, I think, I don't even know about these politicians or companies that you're talking about because they only exist in the U.S. Yeah. Do you find, I, I want to jump on the idea of Justin Trudeau being the hot guy up north. Uh, do you think there's a double standard that applies to like coverage of men and women right now? It's kind of like, because to, oh, yeah. 
that like oh Jacinda the 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 PM of New Zealand is hot it's like well she's a politician you shouldn't yeah. comment on her looks yeah yeah you know <laughs> the gender topic is is a hot one right now yeah um I definitely think right now there seems to be a double standard but I don't think that it's um I think that we women need our time in the spotlight as intelligent politicians versus mm -hmm. being hot yeah. men have had a long history of time being intelligent <laughs> politicians you know yeah. it's our turn so i think that's I will, where it's i will from. question if we have a long history of being intelligent politicians <laughs> politicians yes but you know what i mean yeah like yeah I, I know what very, you mean yeah that's fair so that's why okay um i i'm, I'm interested now on is there are there things that you won't talk about publicly because that's like what I really I'm really struggling with because my my goal is to open up all the floodgates and talk openly about anything that's controversial because I think that is what's important um, but you know my political friends definitely won't talk to me about some of the stuff publicly because it could still impact them. But you hear about the, the difficulty in business now. If you say something controversial, it could cost you business. So especially someone covering news and politics, where are your thoughts on, on taboo topics? Yeah, I probably wouldn't get into a discussion about um, Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't get into a conversation about my opinion on SNC-Lavalin. Mm -hmm. like, but... I, what about social issues like like gender or the Me Too movement and like or I don't know if you hold controversial views on any topics, but more yeah, social this is, ones. This is where uh, earlier we mentioned opinion pieces. Mm -hmm. I think that like it's important to share our voice about certain things like that. Like I like my I feel very very strongly about gender issues right now because mm -hmm. when I was working in the corporate world, my managers protected me from sexism and racism mm -hmm. but now that i'm trying to be the boss yeah. i have noticed it everywhere mm -hmm. and so i feel very strongly about that and i want to talk about my side of it yeah. i have a writer on my team who is um like very feels very strongly about the abortion debate yeah and i want her to write about it even though that may someday um isolate some readers I think if you feel very strongly about a topic that you should talk about it. I think it's important, like you said, to bring in those conversations and it's not who's right and wrong. It's just like, let's talk about it. And, and what do you feel about, I really appreciate that. What do you, what do you feel about the, the people who would then like no platform you, let's say, or, you know, to even be for you to be willing to have an opinion on your site that is, let's say, pro-life um you know that just doesn't taint the person who's pro-life because you know they're a horrible anti-woman person um but also you you're giving that a platform because that's um, the realm that like a news organization can come to very quickly i mean i i understand that uh i think that's why we'd have to be careful that it's not a pressed article it would be it would be an opinion piece from mm. that person okay. and us employing this person as a writer doesn't mean that we support one side or the other 
Um, I think we'd be careful about that. But also I would argue that if um, somebody wrote a piece about how, about that, and then readers started falling off, I'd say like, we, we are, we are trying to create an open community mm-hmm. of opinions and voices. And so sometimes we don't, we don't look at every single person who leaves our community as a loss. Yeah. And that's just the reality. Yeah. That's, that's really fair. And, and I think it's a refreshing uh, approach based on other ones I've heard. So, so I, I give you credit and thanks. I think it's a really tough balance between business and social. Mm-hmm. I think it will get tougher for me to answer questions like that as we grow, yeah. to be fair. And yeah. I think it's tougher now than it ever has been because you, do, you used to not know everything everyone you interacted with thought. But now yeah. most people, anyone who engages on social media, you know a lot more about them than you used to. Yeah, um, that's true. And so people are either saying I'm full in or I'm full out. And I think full out doesn't really work anymore. So it's like, how do we create a space where it's a community that's understanding first? Yeah, and it's open, but also um, like respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I want to ask now about what are your thoughts right now on the state of media generally in journalism? Like what it, what is the most exciting or the scariest or yeah, what what's churning through you, yours and press's mind right now? Press's mind. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's scariest thing is that everyone's running in circles yeah everyone's trying to figure it out you know if you're in any industry you typically look at other companies that are doing really well and you try to like work around um your organ work your organization around the things that other people are doing well with your baseline idea but at this moment that we don't have any like inspirational companies to look at Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of scary, you know, to wake up and think like, I don't know which way is the good way. Um, I think I know, but no one's done it yet. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Um, the most exciting part is of the media industry. I mean, I would say that like, no one's going to let it die. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have faith that there are really, really, really smart people in the world figuring it out. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see what that is. I'm really excited to be part of this. Like, what is the Spotify that saves news? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see that. Very nice. Yeah. And and is is pressed growing well? It, it's you like it's it's doing well and and it's marching uh, towards this end. Yeah, I mean we are marching forward. Um, I think growth is we always want to be faster. We mm-hmm. always want to be bigger. And we're working towards that. Um, but I think our biggest challenge right now is the like the balance between like um, revenue generating versus like growth tactics versus like the resources that we have um, to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're growing slowly and steadily and we continue to get daily messages from our readers saying how much like we've saved them in a meeting or something and that keeps us going. How, how, yeah, how valuable is that really? Like when someone takes the time out of their day and to message you that you've made a difference? Oh my God. It makes such a difference in our day. Honestly, even one mess, one email reply that says, thanks for your email today. It was so informative. It just like makes such a big difference for us because mm-hmm. that's what keeps us going on days that 
are hard, which I'm sure you know can be often. Yeah. Okay. And and do you have any last pieces of advice for people who still think that everything we talked about is a waste of time, (laughs) either because millennials suck or the news sucks or like it's all just hopeless? I think like give it a chance. (laughs) You know what I'm I if I was only following things that I was interested in, I would only know about sports and Kim Kardashian. Like those are the only things I would know anything about. Yeah. Now I'm an informed citizen who also knows about sports and Kim Kardashian. I can Mm. tell you a range of things. And we make the news and I'm sure you do too, we make it a level of interesting that you might be able to get into. So give it a chance. Yeah, well, thank you. And I would I would second that. I would definitely encourage anyone listening to subscribe to Pressed. It's one of the best things I read each day. Thank you so much for saying that. No problem. I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you.